How you doing today? Hey, it's good to see you. Glad you're here in church today at the bridge. Thanks so much for being here. We're going to dive right into God's Word this morning, continuing in our series, talking about the power of a seed. The power of a seed. This is the fourth week we've been in this series, and next week I'm going to finish the series. So there'll be five messages, five Sundays in this series. And I want to just real quickly take a moment and walk through what we've talked about the last four weeks. We've been talking about how great things, huge things sometimes, come from tiny little seeds. Oak trees come from an acorn, a small seed. Anything that you grow comes from a seed or a bulb, if you will. A seed is powerful because everything that you need to produce a plant or an oak tree is found in that seed. And if the seed is nurtured and cared for correctly, that seed will produce after its kind. Jesus said that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. God plants little things in our hearts. He gives us little principles. As we apply those things to our lives, God's rule begins to spread over our lives and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger within us. And then it begins to affect everything that's going on in our lives. We also talked about the law of the seed. Some would call it the law of sowing and reaping. We talked about the fact that God's word is seed. And he plants it in our hearts, and our lives, so that his thoughts and his ways become a part of my life. Last week we talked about the parable of the sower... And we looked at four different types of soil that Jesus talked about and what those types of soil do with the seed. And I want to go back to Luke chapter 8, verse 15. It's the verse we finished with last week. And I want to pick up here today in my introduction because I want to set up what we're going to talk about because the rest of today and next week, we're going to be going in different directions than where we've been with the seed thus far. Luke chapter 8, verse 15, at the end of the parable of the sower, here's what Jesus said. But the ones, the seed, the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with the noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Now, I want to ask you a question today. Why do we tend to struggle with the law of the seed? Why do we tend sometimes, and for some of us oftentimes, why do we struggle with this whole concept of sowing and reaping, taking care of seed? Why is that? Well, if you look at that verse again, and if you would fill that verse back up there, Luke 8, 15, it says that the seed is sown into the soil and it bears fruit. How? With patience. With patience. How many of you love that very word, patience. Don't you love that word? I love that word, patience. Because we live in a world where everything is right there at our fingertips. You pick up your phone, you can find anything. You know, it, it's interesting. When, when, when we have parties or gatherings at the church in our office, Christmas parties and so forth, you can ask a question, a trivia question, and it's not fair because somebody rips out their phone and asks Siri, and in three seconds they've got the answer to the thing. And... 
We, we live in a world where everything is right there at our fingertips and bam, 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 and it happens so fast. But when it comes to sowing and reaping, there is sowing and then there's reaping. Good soil, Jesus said, will, will keep seed. It will hold the seed. It will possess the seed. If our hearts are properly prepared, we'll hold on to God's word and nurture it. And then in time, it bears fruit. But it only does it with patience. Patience means cheerful endurance. Now, let me explain this principle to you. I, I talk about sowing seed and then having patience to bear fruit. In James chapter 5, verse 7, James said this, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. Now, I, I want to talk about this verse for just a moment in my introduction because it's important to where we're going to conclude this series today and next week. Three things in that verse that I think are really, really important. First of all, he says a farmer is patient. A farmer is patient. As I've said throughout this series, most of us are not farmers. Most of us don't live off of the land. So most of us don't really understand a lot about the whole process, but we know about it. A farmer is patient because he plows his field, he puts the seed in the ground, he waters it, he pulls the weeds, he waits, and over a period of time, it may be a month, two months, three months, four months, it may be several months, but over a period of time, the farmer knows the harvest is coming. The farmer knows the harvest is coming. See, we need to learn to live our lives accepting God's word as seed, applying it to our lives, and then being patient, knowing that the harvest is coming. Boy, patience is a big word. And, and, and then the next thing we see here, a, a farmer's patient because... He knows that seed, everybody say seed. A farmer knows that that seed is going to produce a bush or a stalk or a vine that's going to produce precious fruit. It's interesting that James would use those words, precious fruit. It means valuable fruit. You see, a farmer knows when that seed grows, he's not going to get a seed. He's going to get something much more precious much more valuable than the seed. He knows that he's going to get a harvest off of each seed that's been planted. And not only does it provide food, but within that precious fruit that the seed produces, there's more seed for his future. So he understands it's valuable. And, and then the third thing, it says the farmer is patient because... God promises two kinds of rain, the early rain and then the latter rain. Now, let, let me take just two minutes to explain this to you because really this is a, a full message in itself, but I, I just want to touch on this to make sure you understand it. In the Old Testament, when God told Israel, I'm giving you this land of promise, he said, here's what I'm going to do for you. When you plant your seed in the springtime, I'm going to send an early rain to water the fields, to put moisture in the fields that will cause the seed to grow. 
But he said, as that seed grows over time, it's going to get dry because summertime comes. And he says, when it looks like it's getting really dry and it looks like the crops are about to get in trouble, God says, I'm going to send a latter rain, a later rain, a rain at the end to finish the work that has been started. And see, it was a natural principle that God gave to his people. He said, I'm going to start the process with rain and then after you've been patient for a period of time when things start looking tough I'm going to send one more rain to finish the job it's a natural process now when we apply that to our spiritual lives what it tells us is this God plants seed in our heart and we get so excited because boy God's given me this word and I'm believing God's word and I'm trusting God's word but what comes between the sowing and the reaping? Time. And it requires patience. And in the middle of this process, it's really easy to get discouraged. It's easy to give up and say, well, I don't think it's ever going to happen. I believe God. He reigned on my life. I, I really felt like he was speaking to me, but it, it's looking so bad now. I don't see any way out. This is not going to come to fruition. And we give up on crops. But God says, wait for me. Because just as I sent the early rain, I'm going to send a latter rain and I'm going to finish what I started. Philippians 1 talks about this. Paul said, I'm confident that he who has begun a good work in you is going to complete it. He's going to finish it. So we need to embrace God's seed and wait on God. So what happens between the early rain and the latter rain? Patience. Patience. God's committed to the process. Do you know that? God's committed to the process. God said, I will start it and I will finish it. I'll make a promise to you and I'll see to it that it comes to pass. But you're going to need to trust me and embrace that seed and be patient until the right time of harvest comes. Now, for somebody here today, that's a word of encouragement. Because you're wondering, is this, is this ever going to happen? Hang in there. Hang in there. God's not finished. Now, how many enjoyed the introduction this morning? <clears throat> We're going to get into the Word now. I, I want to show you something. Turn to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have verses on the screen. John chapter 12. Jesus shares something interesting that I've been holding on to for this entire study because I wanted to get into it today. John 12 verse 23. Jesus begins to say something here. I want you to notice the Word. But Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. He's speaking of his death. He's getting ready to go to the cross. The hour has come. The time has come. The moment has come for me to be glorified. It's interesting. It's interesting. Stop a minute. It's interesting. Jesus is about to go to the cross. And he said, the time has come for me to be glorified. He didn't say, oh, it's going to be a horrible time. It was going to be horrible. He knew that. But he said, the time has come for me to be glorified, for me to finish the work, to show people who I am and what I am. I'll come back to this in just a moment. Verse 24, Jesus says, but most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat, a seed, falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. 
Now, we've already been talking about this principle of sowing and reaping, so I don't want to go back and reteach all of that. But here's what I want to show you today. A seed is just a seed. A seed is just a seed until it's planted, put in the ground, covered up, released. You turn loose of it, you let it go, you put it in the ground, the seed has to die, and then when it dies, it produces new life. That's how a seed works. You put it in the ground, it dies. It's long gone. It's out of your hands. It's gone. But then it begins to grow, and if you take care of it, it produces much fruit. Now, Jesus is talking about his death. He's giving them an illustration. And what he's saying is, everybody get this, Jesus said, see my life as a seed. Jesus saw his own life, his own ministry, his own work, his own teaching. Everything Jesus was doing, he saw it as a seed. And he said, what's going to happen is I'm going to die. They're going to put me in the ground, but then a big harvest is coming off of that. He said, I'm going to be glorified. Well, how many of you know that Jesus died and was put in the ground? But how many know that three days later, something came growing up out of that ground? You're aware of that. That's what Jesus is talking about. But there's a bigger principle here that I need to understand. Jesus said, see my life as a seed. You see, in Romans chapter 8, Paul wrote to the Roman church and said, Jesus became the firstborn, the first one out of the ground, the first one to die and be raised again to new life. Jesus became the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Because Jesus laid down his life as a seed, went into the ground, it produced new life. And can I tell you something? 2,000 years later, the death the burial and the resurrection of Jesus is still producing more brothers and sisters day by day by day by day by day. Because Jesus gave his life as a seed to give life to others who would give their lives a seed that would give life to others. So he's showing this continual process of sowing and reaping. But go to the next verse, verse 25 of John 12. Because I want you to see one more verse here. Notice the next thing Jesus says. It's in context. It's not a different paragraph. He says, he who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Now, leave the verse up there for just a minute. Because I want you to think about this. This is one of those verses in the teachings of Jesus that we don't like to talk about because it comes down to what I do with my life. We struggle with the concept of you lose your life and you find it, but if you give up your life, I mean, if you keep your life, you lose it. We, we struggle with that concept. Jesus says he who loves his life will lose it. What if Jesus had said, no, I am not going to die this death. 
I am not going to do this. I am not going to lay down my life. I am not going to suffer for a bunch of people who don't care anything about God to start with. Make sure he wasn't landing here. How many, I might not give an altar call right now. How many are ready to meet the Lord? See, Jesus is making a statement here. He said, what, what, what if I don't lay my life down? What if I refuse to do this? I'll tell you what would happen. If his life had not become a seed, there would have been no harvest into the family of God. See, a lot of people don't understand. God gave Jesus as a seed because he wanted a big family. And, and God lives by the same principles he asks us to live by. He says, I'll plant my son as a seed in faith, and I believe I'll have a harvest off of that. And that's exactly what's been happening for 2,000 years. But here's the interesting part. Jesus said, I see my life as a seed. And then Jesus said, you need to see your life as a seed. Because if you live your life for what you want you wind up losing everything. But if you'll die to what you want and live to what God asked you to live for, you'll find everything. But we need to see our lives as a seed. So the second part of this message, what if I see my life as a seed? What if I see my daily life? What if I see my life as a seed? What if I take into consideration this idea of sowing and reaping and sowing and reaping and sowing and reaping? Some people are saying, well, you know, you've been into this for four weeks now. Why are we there? We've laid a foundation because this is where we need to get with the Word of God. What if I see God's Word as seed? And what if His Word becomes a part of me and my life becomes a seed? Now, I'll go back to it and mention it. I'm not going to have you turn there. Galatians 6, verses 7 through 9. We've already been there, but I want to quote it to you. Paul said, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he's going to reap. He who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. He who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And then in verse 9 he says, Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season you'll reap if you do not lose heart, if you don't give up on the crop. See, what Paul's talking about here is seeing your life as a seed. My life becomes a seed. I'm sowing. I'm sowing. I'm, I'm planning for my future. Or I'm not planning anything for the future. Now, let me break this into two pieces. Let's talk about the big picture of life. What, what is the one important thing we need to see in the big picture of life? Life is short. Eternity is immeasurable. So this life, the most important thing that happens in this life is I find God's purpose for my life. I give my life to God and I live my 80, 90, 100, in my case, 120 years I live those years with eternity in mind. That's what's important. That I live my life as a seed with eternity in mind. In other words, I see everything through the eyes of eternity. How does God see this? God's not even living in time. He's not bound by time. We are. He's not. 
Can I begin to think in terms of eternity? Can I live my life, big picture, seeing eternity and making decisions with eternity in mind? But in order to do that, I think we have to take a step back and bring it back down to the other level, the second level, which is not the big picture, but the small picture. The seeds that I'm sowing daily. What kind of seed am I sowing? Because I'm going to reap what I'm sowing. See, what if I saw life not just as, well, I'm going to try to live a life that pleases God because when this life is over, I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to the other place. That's how a lot of us live. We want our fire insurance. But what happens if I stop and realize every day of my life I am sowing seeds that are going to produce a harvest down the road in this life too? <clears throat> what if I approached every day of my life as a day of sowing and nurturing? What if I approached every day of my life with patience, knowing in every area of my life I'm in a process and I'm waiting for God's harvest? Now think about that for a moment because I'm getting ready to go somewhere that's going to be really important. What if I lived every day of my life with the concept of I am sowing and I am taking care of my crops? I am sowing and I am taking care of my crops. You can plant seed, you can water, you can pull weeds, but only God can make a crop grow. You can't make it grow. It's a natural law, it's a spiritual law. God makes that happen. But for most of us, we live our lives only thinking about how can I reap a harvest? 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 How can I do that? What we do that by sowing and then taking care of crops. And then God multiplies it back into our lives. Now, I'm going to get into everybody's kitchen. Turn to somebody and say, I hope your kitchen's clean this morning. <laughs> For about two minutes here, we're going to do some house cleaning, okay? How many are glad? How many are thankful for, for dishwashers? I'm talking about power dishwashers, okay? You know, I, I think sometimes, even as followers of Jesus, we get into a bad habit of expecting to reap when we haven't sown seed for that harvest. Thank you. I got to come on back there. That brother said, You can check out my kitchen, I'm ready. One of the things we do at the Bridge Church, we strive to do this, we strive to teach a maturity towards God. And there's a lot of immaturity in the church world because people are praying, oh God, don't let those seeds I have planted grow. Kill them, God. Kill them, God. Kill them, God. And give me a miracle. Come on, smile at me. 
We live our lives. Oh, I want to reap, I want to reap, I want to reap. The only way you reap is if you sow and you tend a crop. Now, now I'm going to get a little deeper into the kitchen. We live our lives with this bad habit of always expecting to reap when we haven't sown that harvest. We haven't sown the seed for that harvest. And then we get upset with God. We get disappointed. We get hurt. Our faith gets challenged. Well, this just isn't working for me. There's a lot of superstitious Christians out there. Ooh, if I just quote this scripture the right way today, if I just say it just right, if I do this, if I do that, then God is going to have to do this. You know what? If you sow seeds, you'll reap a harvest. How do you know that? It's a natural law and it's a spiritual law. Let, let me get a little further in the kitchen here. And, and what happens then if I don't sow seeds, but I'm asking for a harvest, I get disappointed, and then I find myself living with this stress. I'm just stressing things out, and because things aren't going right, and I'm lacking here, and things aren't working out there, and things are bad there, and all of a sudden, I'm living from crisis to crisis, continually begging God for miracle after miracle after miracle, because I haven't yet understood and accepted and applied the principle of sowing and reaping. I told you a few weeks ago in one of my messages, there was a time in my life when I was a young minister, traveling, preaching, I kept going through a difficult season. And I kept coming back to the same issue over and over and over again. And things weren't working out and I was so hurt and so dis. and one day I was, I was praying I said God I don't understand what's wrong God why do I keep coming back to this I keep doing this over and over and over again I keep getting the same result why and God spoke to me he said well if you keep getting the same result maybe you need to try something different because what I was doing was I was expecting to reap where I had not been sowing and there was an area of my life, it wasn't evil, it wasn't bad. I just was not sowing and taking care of seed from God's word. And I wanted him to do things for me that I wasn't planting for. Now I know, well, bless God, we don't live under works. I know that. I know that. But it does not change the laws of the kingdom of God. A man's going to sow and then a man's going to reap. Hello? You put it in your garden, it's going to grow. The seed's going to grow. So we have to understand this process. And you've you got to hear me today. I'm, I'm telling you, we teach for maturity. I believe in miracles. I believe in miracles. I see miracles. I hear people t sharing testimonies of miraculous things that God does. I believe all that. I've seen it too many years. All my life I've seen it. But I also see a lot of disappointment in people and a lot of immaturity because there's confusion about sowing and reaping and we don't want to learn about the process and the patience it takes to reap a harvest. This is good today. This is really good. I'm going to go back and watch this online. So what, what, if, I, what if I see my life as a seed? Now, I've, I've got to move really fast, so I'm going to do that for the next few minutes. 
What if I see my life as a seed when it comes to following Jesus? What if I decide I'm going to follow his example? We talked about Matthew 7. Jesus said, if you hear the word and you do the word, it's like building your house on a rock and the storms of life cannot move you. Am I taking the seed of the word and, and applying it to my life? Let me do it this way. How much better would my life be today if I'd been sowing differently the past few years? How, how many have learned some lessons you wish you had learned 20 years ago? <laughs> now I got you on board with me. What if I saw my life as a seed to be sown into a hurting world among hurting people? What if I saw myself as being able to take Jesus to people's lives and put his seed in their lives? What if I live my life as if God planted me in my neighborhood to be a blessing to my neighborhood? How many have got unruly neighbors? The camera's not on the audience right now, so how many have got difficult neighbors? I don't have any difficult neighbors. My neighbors, nobody talks to anybody. They just ignore each other. They drive by and you wave at them and they're like. So we don't have any problems in our neighborhood. But it's, it's hard to be light sometimes. But what if God planted you there as a seed? Let me go a little further. What if I saw my life as a seed when it came to my marriage? You know, we have these expectations. Well, I expect this from you. Well, I expect this from you. Well, you're not doing this, and I'm not getting this, and you're not doing that, and I'm not getting that. What would happen in our marriages if we saw my role my, as a spouse to plant seed in the other person's life to be a blessing to them? Let, let, let me get specific. Ephesians 5, Paul wrote about marriage a little bit, and I'm not going to go into all of it. I don't have time. But at the end of the chapter, he, he talked about husbands. How many husbands we got in the house today? Well, ladies, you ought to have a big smile on your face right now because I'm getting ready to talk to husbands. Okay? <laughs> Elbow and say, listen up. Listen up. Pay attention. Paul said, husbands, you need to love your wife the way Christ loved the church. That's a big ask. That is a big one. He wants me to love my wife the way Christ loved the church. Yeah. So, but what do husbands do? The Bible says that I'm the head of this house, so you need to submit to me. And the wife says, why don't you love me and lead me the way Jesus loves and leads the church? That's good. What if I saw my role as a husband, as a seed? What if I planted the right stuff in her life? Maybe, maybe she would listen to me a little bit more. <laughs> See, one, one of the great things about getting older, I hear, I don't know, but I hear. <laughs> I hear one of the great things about getting older is you can, you can act like you don't hear stuff, kind of have selective hearing. It's like, oh, I didn't hear you. <laughs> Husbands, It'll help your wife's hearing if you start planting seeds in her life, loving her the way Christ loved the church. You say, well, I can't do that. Yeah, you can. You can try. 
Love her first. And, and then Paul in that same passage said, wives, you need to reverence or respect your husbands. Well, if he'd just do this and do this, maybe I'd have a little respect. Husbands, you need to elbow your wives right now and say, he's in your kitchen now. He's got out of the garage and he's got into the kitchen now. Well, it, you know, I, I can't trust you. I can't submit to you. I can't fall. You know what? What would happen if you said, I'm going to plant my life as a seed and I'm going to follow my husband's lead in these things. I'm going to pray for him. I'm going to trust that God can lead him. Yeah, we can, tr we can discuss decisions. We can decide what we're going to do. But what would happen if I just trust him and show him some respect? I'll tell you what had happened. He'd kill himself trying to make you happy. That's what would happen. At least most of us would. There, there's a couple of idiots out there. But. <laughs> Is it okay to say idiots in a sermon? I can say that because I have been one, all right? You know, Peter or James 1, I think it's Peter, wrote and said, Husbands, dwell with your wives with understanding. How many of you men know that's impossible? But God will help us understand our wives if we have a heart for it. What happens if I saw my life in a marriage as a seed? Years ago, uh, many of you know Mary Carter. She used to live here. She's moved out of state. She was on our staff for over 20 years, our office manager, and did, did a lot of things. Ron and Mary were celebrating a wedding anniversary, and in staff meeting one day, we, we asked Mary, What's the secret to being married over 40 years? And she sat there for a minute and she said, be nice to each other. What would happen if I decided to be nice instead of expecting my spouse to be nice? This is good. This is really good. I'm glad my wife's out of town today not hearing this. Because <laughs> she will hold me accountable. But what about, let's go a little further. I'm almost out of time. My watch broke, so I, I guess it doesn't matter. <laughs> time doesn't matter. What if, what if I saw my life as a parent as a seed? How do you see your kids? What is your role in their lives? Little kids, medium kids, older kids, adult kids? What if I saw my role in their life as a seed? Ephesians 4, Paul said to bring your children up in the training, in the admonition of the Lord. It means to show them the way and mildly warn them, rebuke them about wrong living and right living. Show them the right way. Teach them, train them. Do we see ourselves as sowing into our children to show them the right way? Psalms 127 says that children are the heritage of the Lord. I think we would probably raise our kids differently if we saw them as God's kids rather than our kids. And if we saw ourselves answering to God for how we raise those children, we would probably raise them a little differently. Instead of looking at our kids and saying, oh, I see, I see myself in you, or I see my spouse in you, or I see grandpa or grandma in you. What if we looked at our kids and say, I see God in you, and I need to raise you to be everything God created you to be. That changed the way we raise our kids and our grandkids. What if I raised my children to be seed to their generation, to help sow them into a hurting, needy world? 
This is a crazy world that is so confused today. What if we raise our children to be difference makers for Jesus to the next generation? Because the next generation desperately needs our kids. Desperately. Desperately. I'm almost finished. What about my life as a seat at work? As an employee? What if I saw my life as a seed? What if I did my job as if it were my business and my future depended on it? What if I respected the authorities at work the way I want to be respected? What if I saw my life as a seed there? What if I did my job as if I was planting seed for my future? What kind of different seeds would I be planting if I saw my life that way? A few weeks ago, I sat down with a friend, and he was telling me a story. His company's going through major restructuring and major challenges, and you know they're, they're having to lay people off and do all kinds of things. And, and this guy's been with the company for several years. And every time they offered new opportunities to learn and to grow, he jumped in and said, I want to learn, I want to grow. He's just been a model employee. He's just, everything asked of him, and he's got promotion after promotion after promotion. And now some of his friends are at the place of life. I don't know what I'm going to do the rest of my life because my job's going to disappear. I don't know where I'm going, what's going to happen. And this guy's got a big smile on his face because he just keeps getting promoted because he's laid down his life as a seed. And now he's reaping the benefits of it. Everybody smile at me. Shake your head and say, I hate my boss. I can't stand him. You better not. You better not. You are replaceable. <laughs> I'm kidding. What, what about this? What, what about a manager or a business owner? What if you're in management? What if we saw our lives as a seed? And we, we want our employees to give their lives as a seed to grow the company. To make a profit. What if we saw our employees and say, we want to pour our lives into you as seed to train you for a better future? What if we considered ourselves role models for the employees rather than masters of the employees? What if we sowed self-value into those employees rather than only demeaning them for their mistakes? A few years ago, and I'm almost finished, a few years ago, I was talking to a guy. I didn't know him well, but he, he's high up in this company. And I'd met him on one occasion, and I was talking to him, and I said, well, how's the, how's the owner of the company doing? The guy who started the whole thing, how's he doing? Haven't seen him lately. He looked at me, and he said, he's doing great. And I said, you know, he's quite a guy. He's an interesting guy. And this, this, he was a manager in the company, but he was also an employee. He looked at me and he, he said this. If my children, if I could make my children grow up to be like just one person in the world that I know, it would be my boss. What a testimony. What a testimony that your employees look at you and say, I hope my kids grow up to be like you. Not because he was successful and made money, but because of the kind of person that he was. The way he treated people. Closing today. A couple of questions.
How do I see my life? Ask yourself, how do I see my life? God may have spoken to you today. Maybe there's something God put his finger on. How do you see life? Second question, am I struggling with patience? We only reap with patience. Am I struggling with my patience? And then third question, am I struggling with trusting God for the latter rain? Some of you in the middle of a process right now and things don't look good in the natural. You're saying, God, it's getting dry and I don't know what's going to happen. Some of you today need God to pour latter rain onto your crops. You know what? If God planted the seed, he's going to finish it. Just trust him. Trust him. Keep walking with him. I want to pray for you today. Bow your heads if you would. Father, we've looked at your word today and we know it's truth. God, I know that you're speaking to people all over this room because we've talked about some pretty practical things today. And we've talked about spiritual seed. God, I pray you would encourage us today to see the big picture of life and then see every day as a seed and as an opportunity to nurture the crops that we've sown. I pray, Father, you would give us patience for the season that we're in. God, we need to do all that we need to do in this season. But once we've done all, we need to stand and be patient and let you be God. Because, Father, you promised you'd give an early rain to start the crop. And then when things started looking dry and difficult, you'd send a latter rain to finish the crop and bring the harvest. God, we can plant seed. We can nurture seed. We can tend the field. But only you can give the harvest. So today we put our trust in you, not man, not people. We put our trust in you and we believe you today. I'm going to ask everybody in the room, whatever's going on in your life, just, just hold your hands out like this. If you want to, you can lift them up high. Just hold them out and say, God, speak into my heart and my life today. Show me what I need to know. Show me what I need to see about sowing and reaping. Make adjustments in my heart and in Show me how to go from here. In Jesus' name. While heads are still bowed, maybe you're here today. Maybe you've listened to this and you're thinking, man, I've been sowing a lot of bad seed. I need some things to change. I should have heard this and responded to this a long time ago. Maybe you're in a difficult season or maybe you're in a good season, but you're realizing now something's digging at your heart and you're realizing, I need to make some adjustments in my life. Maybe you've never put your faith in God, but now you're realizing this is real. God's word is real. God's, God's word is true. Jesus is the son of God. I need God's help in my life. Maybe you're starting to think about eternity and you've never made plans for eternity. Friend, you don't make your plans when you get there. You make your plans now and you live out this life in preparation for eternity. Maybe you're saying, where do I go from here? You begin by starting a relationship with God, making Jesus the Lord of your life, accepting Jesus as your Savior. It all starts with a prayer. I want to lead you in a prayer right there where you are. Everybody in the room, if you're watching online, I'm asking you to join me in this prayer as well. Pray this prayer right out loud. Say, God, I need you. I open my life to you. Please come in. I accept Jesus as my Savior. I choose Jesus to become the Lord of my life. Teach me your ways and I will follow you. From this moment forward, 
You'll be my father. I'll be your child. Thank you for receiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you just prayed that prayer, it's the most important prayer you ever prayed in your entire life, but it's not the end of the journey. It's just the beginning. We want to help you start building your relationship with God. We've got a little booklet, a little tool called The Next Seven Days. We want to give it to you. I promise you this will help you. When service is over, there'll be prayer teams on each of the walls down front. Just walk up to one of these teams and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you there. No strings attached. If you've got questions or you want prayer for something, they can help you with that as well. If you just want to get the booklet and go, that's great. We want to help you begin your journey with God. If you're in a really big rush, as you leave the glass door exit in the lobby today, right in the middle, there's a counter set up there. You can stop by there and get the same booklet there. We simply want to help you get started walking with God. If you're watching online, there are instructions on the screen as how we can get the same copy to you electronically. We'd love to do that for you. Can we just welcome new believers into God's family today? God bless you. Just before we go today, as we do most Sundays, we set aside this time to worship God with our giving. And I got to tell you, God's been good to me. Has, has God been good to anybody else in the house? God's been so good, so faithful. And God asks that we would honor him with the first of what comes into our lives. And we do that. There's different ways you can give. Instructions are on the screen. If you're watching online, the instructions are there for you. I just want to say thank you today for your faithfulness in giving. God's been so good, we need to honor God for his faithfulness and recognize him as the source of every good and perfect gift. We do that with our giving. So give as you would like. If you're here in the building and you want to give a physical gift today, there are envelopes in the back of the chairs. There's a giving station at each side of the exit doors here in the auditorium. You can drop your gift right there in the envelope. There's also a giving station out by the children's check-in. You can give there as well. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. God's made promises in his word about our giving. So God will bless you as you give today. Hey, thank you so much. Have you enjoyed being in church today? It's a great Sunday. Take the seed of the word. Live your life as a seed. Let God begin big in your life. Have a great Sunday.